0: Welcome to Be Ye Heroes, it's a podcast of St. James's Episcopal Church in Richmond, Virginia. Jesus began to weep. When I served as a chaplain in the hospital, I was taught to ask a very important question whenever a patient cried. What do those tears Mean? This is the question I find myself asking Jesus. What do those tears mean? But Jesus' tears aren't the only ones in today's gospel. The scene begins with this entire community that's in mourning because Lazarus, the brother of Martha and Mary and friend of Jesus, had just died been buried. The story begins with death. We don't like to talk about death, do we? We'd much rather distract ourselves from it, keeping it out of sight and out of mind. But in spite of our best efforts to push it to the periphery of our minds, it still manages to find its way in, doesn't it? Oftentimes that nagging thought that keeps us up at night. And I found this is especially true after the past year and a half when it's been especially hard to ignore death. And it's uncomfortable when we're forced to think about it, isn't it? Because it's the one thing that none of us have control over. But at the same time, it's the one thing that we all have in common, because every single living organism will die. It's at the same time the great equalizer and the great inevitability. Lazarus' death, like the death of any close relative or friend, forces the characters in this story to confront this harsh reality. So in today's gospel, we see our own responses to death embodied in their reactions. Mary's tears are the first on the scene. She goes out to meet Jesus, and then catching her breath between sobs, she says, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. What do those tears mean, we might ask. When I started asking this question in the hospital, I quickly realized that tears rarely have just one meaning, because emotions are complex. So I don't think that there's just one answer to Mary's tears. So to start with, in her cry to Jesus, I hear blame and accusation. Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. How often has this been our cry in the face of death? God, if you had intervened, this wouldn't have happened. Where are you? Why did you let this happen to this person or to me? In her cry to Jesus, I also hear fear and helplessness because there's nothing that she could do to prevent her brother's death. There was nothing she could do to stop the great inevitability. And so she lashes out at the one person who could have possibly intervened. But most of all, in Mary's cry, I hear deep sadness and grief. Her brother was dead. The one whom she had played games with a child, the one whom she had fought with as a teenager, the one whom she had seen grow from a boy to a man, was now lying in a tomb. Blame, accusation, fear, helplessness, sadness, and grief. All valid responses to death and all help account for Mary's tears. And it's only after encountering these tears that Jesus sheds his own. What do those tears mean? Many will point to Jesus' compassion, emphasizing that in his tears, we see God's willingness to suffer with us, to weep with us. Others will say that in these tears, we see his humanity. That just as Mary wept for the loss of her brother, Jesus weeps for the loss of his friend. Again, I think all of these can be true because tears rarely mean just one thing. But there's also something unique about Jesus' tears. The translation that we read today makes this difficult to see, but in its original language, John uses one word, to describe the weeping of Mary and of the crowd. And then he goes and he uses this, uses this other word entirely to describe Jesus' weeping. And this word is so unique that this is the one place that it shows up in the entire Bible. So what could it mean? What's different about Jesus' tears? I think John gives us some clues. Just prior to Jesus weeping, we, he describes Jesus as being greatly disturbed and deeply moved. In their original language, the combination of these two phrases indicates intense anger. So in addition to compassion and sadness and humanity, In Jesus's tears we also see anger. Death makes Jesus angry. The thought of death or the death of a loved one might also make us angry. But while our anger usually stems from our lack of control in the face of death, I think death makes Jesus angry precisely because he had control over it. Because Jesus is the one person throughout all history for whom death was an adversary rather than an inevitability. Don't miss this because it's important. Unlike all of us, for Jesus, death was an adversary. An adversary that he was destined to defeat once and for all on the cross. So in Jesus' tears, we see the anger of someone determined to avenge the death of their friend. We see someone preparing to do battle with their ultimate enemy. We see God refusing to allow death to have the final word. Lazarus, Jesus cries, come out. At the sound of Jesus' command, John tells us that the dead man came out. Today, several children will be baptized at St. James's: Charlotte Ross, Heather, and Virginia. I can't help but think that in Jesus' tears, Lazarus experienced his own baptism of sorts. Because when Jesus said, Come out, Lazarus stepped from death into the newness of life. In baptism, we too experience death death of our sinful nature, death of everything that is not of God. And from those waters, Jesus gently whispers those same words Come out. Come out and leave behind the stench of death. Come out into the newness of life, life in me. But when Lazarus stepped out of the tomb, he also stepped into the same tension that we live in every day as Christians. He stepped into one of the greatest paradoxes of the Christian life, that we proclaim that death has been defeated while we still live in its shadow. We believe in the resurrection of the dead while we continue to feel death's effects day after day. Lazarus was resurrected, but he would one day die again. We have been given new life through the waters of baptism, but we too will die before we taste the ultimate resurrection when in the words of Revelation, God will wipe away every tear and death will be no more. So how do we live faithfully in this tension? How do we live with so great a paradox on the celebration of All Saints Day we're reminded that God gifts us the saints as examples of how to do this because all of the saints those the church celebrates by name and those who are known to us more intimately they teach us not only how to live well but also how to die well As Presbyterian minister Cynthia Jarvis has said, in the midst of sorrow and grief, real people who live in the face of death before the God who raised Jesus from the dead are simply called saints. They are those who realize before they die that neither death nor life, things present nor things to come, can separate them from the love of God in Christ Jesus. They are are those who, therefore, may dare everything for this one true thing. The The saints stand as examples of how to live the resurrected life in the present. They teach us to live as though our future hope is more real than our present reality. And this doesn't mean that we ignore the pain of death in the world because our tears are still valid responses to death and its effects. But we live as those who know our tears are not the final word. Death is not the final word because the final word belongs to the one who defeated death. And the one who defeated death says, time and time again, come out. The words that Lazarus heard from beyond the grave come out. The words that he whispers to us in our baptism come out. And the words that he'll cry out to us and to all of the saints on the day of resurrection come out. Resurrection is the final word. Life is the final word. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Ye Hearers. For our full worship service, go to doers.org slash live. To learn more about St. James's, go to doers.org. We hope you've been touched by the Holy Spirit today. We look forward to being your companion on your spiritual journey.